sometimes reading the book isn't enough. We want to be immersed in an idea or feeling. That's why at Book Interrupted, we've made a playlist for each book cycle. Visit www.bookinterrupted.com to find playlists for each book cycle and member. Or check out our YouTube channel. What's on your playlist? Parental guidance is recommended because this episode has mature topics and strong language. Here are some moments you can look forward to during this episode of Book Interrupted. While she was learning it one day, she could all of a sudden knew where she was pointing. Our culture is so you own things. It's that idea of owning. With the climate crisis, it's like literally like we have people who know what to do, right? Like, let's listen to them. This is really my funny. ranch is on their land. And he gave it back to them. I can't even. Yeah. <laughs> only federal, federal employees. employees. Yeah. The, like they're the ones that should have to work. They should be the yes. ones that have to work. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, you know what I mean? <laughs> my body Disrupted. Mind, body, and soul. Inspiration is with God. And we're going to talk it out on Book Interrupted. Welcome to Book Interrupted, a book club for busy people to connect and one that celebrates life's interruptions. If you'd like to join along, this book cycle is from October 24th to December 4th. It's Kim's book pick. And we're reading They Called Me Number One by Bev Stellers. In this frank and poignant memoir of her years at the St. Joseph Mission, Stellers breaks her silence about the residential school's lasting effects on her and her family. From substance abuse to suicide attempts, and eloquently articulates her own path to healing. All right, so it's personal journal time. Let's see what the members of Book Interrupted thought outside the group. PJ number two for They Called Me Number One. I am on chapter five, which is, what is it? Halfway through? I don't know. It feels like halfway through. Nope, not quite. A third of the way. A little over a third. And I am enjoying the book. I appreciate Bev Sellers, who's the author. I appreciate the storytelling that she does. I also really appreciate the small lesson in language that I'm getting. I marked the pages. Let's see. Ah, so the way that you can say what we call shushwap here, which is in, I believe, the North Okanagan. I live in the South Okanagan, so I feel close to that. I feel connected. Um, is shihuapmuk. Shihuapmuk. I try to, uh, when I'm reading it, well, when I read it, after she's explained it, she only says she who at muk. So I try to remember how to pronounce it because it is not spelled she who at muk. It's spelled, if I was going to be phonetic with how it's spelled, it's spelled sek Would That would be how I would say it if I didn't have the help that she provides in how to pronounce it. And so she who at muk is how you say shushwap. 
which I think is awesome. And then the other part that I like, which is another mini lesson in language, she describes that in she who at muk, the way that you say grandfather is ba'a. And I can't even begin to tell you how I would pronounce the way that it's spelt because it's XP apostrophe E seven E or what looks like a seven anyway. So I wouldn't even know where to begin to say that if I didn't have the author's help in knowing how to pronounce it. And as with she who at muk, after you get the one guide to what it means and how to pronounce it, then the rest of the story, she's using XP apostrophe E7E to be ba'a. And I'm reading it like that. So I feel really grateful that there are so far anyway, two words that I have kind of learned and I get to continue to practice as I read the book. I want to obviously keep reading. I don't know what else I want to say in this book report. It's hard when you're on book report two. I guess in book report one, I hadn't even started reading. So I guess I could talk to just how the whole thing's going for me. It's interesting. It is easy to read. Like it's not overcomplicated. I don't know how to say it. The content is obviously quite upsetting, but the author is able to tell it in such a way that I can read it. And I hesitate to continue to say that because no matter how hard it is to read, I still feel like it's that important to read. So whether it was for me experientially difficult or easy, it shouldn't matter because it's necessary to read. I guess it's all I'll say for now. Like I said, I'm about or a little more than a third of the way through. I expect to continue to enjoy it. And I I almost gave my book recommendation in personal journal number two. How scandalous. Anyway, I'll leave it there. Hi. So far, I'm really liking the book, which is awkward to say because it's such a challenging topic. I'm listening to it mostly on audiobook just because that suits my lifestyle right now. It's really broken into like little stories, all uh, little memory, 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 and delivered in a style, she has a beautiful voice, that is almost without emotion, which is interesting because this is, of course, speculation, but it, it's almost like she's had to learn through life experience and circumstance in this terrible school how to turn off her emotions and be detached from the situation. And therefore, her delivery of these stories is very calm. It's just without emotion. And it's just interesting because it's such horrible things sometimes she's speaking of. She also manages to remember the happiness she could find as well, sneaking treats or getting playtime with her friends when she could. But oh my gosh, it's just, it's really hard to stop listening. I wonder what the tone felt like when you just read it and not listen to it. Though I do love the listening to it because her voice is so soothing. Maybe that's just who she is. Maybe she has a lot of emotion in it. It just doesn't come through. And so it makes it honestly easier to listen to because there's no drama to it. It's just like, this is the memories I have. So I think it's a great read. I definitely know, I'm not done yet, but I know I'd be recommending it. It's, it's just uh, an incredible story. And I can't believe that 
this is part of Canada's history and sadly it is what it is but it's uh, really really interesting getting to learn about it so that's it for me uh, for now and I'll see you on the book report bye so I'm about halfway through the book they call me number one by Bev Sellers and to be perfectly honest I was a little worried that I wouldn't be able to finish this book in the time frame that we were given which is about six or seven weeks and I think that I will it's moving along faster than I thought it would for me and the reason is that you know the book's about traumatic events and reading about trauma sometimes takes me a little bit longer because you know if you're feeling anxious or sad it's harder to take in information and I thought I'd need a lot more breaks from the actual reading. But while I'm reading, I'm doing it in large sessions. And then all the feels kind of come later. You know, she's giving a lot of information one after another. And so there's a lot in there. I also appreciate in this book is that she refers to the residential school she went to primarily as the mission. And I think this is an important distinction. I mean, she probably just calls it the mission because that's what it was called back then. I don't know. But when we call them residential schools, it's implying that the children were being sent there to learn the same things that children typically learn in public school. And in fact, that's not the point. They were actually trying to take away knowledge and to get the children to forget their culture. So I like that she calls it the mission. So it's not connected so much to the idea of school since that wasn't really the mandate for residential schools. It was more about cultural genocide. You know, Bev Sellers makes a point of saying that this is not everybody's story. This is her story. And I think it's easy when you look at something that's affected a large amount of people to try to make generalizations about how it affects everybody. But what we need to remember is each person's experience is going to be unique because each person is unique. And so she's telling her story and there's more stories out there. And the importance also for that is that when she was in the residential school, she was being taught that her individuality didn't matter and she was being treated the same as everybody. And the fact that she has been brave enough to put this in a book and showing her individuality and her experience and showing that she matters, I found that powerful. So I guess the point is after this, I need to do some more reading because again, this is just one experience and I'm going to seek out some more material. But if you haven't started learning about residential schools yet, I think that this is a good place to start. So far, it's going by pretty quickly. I think I'm gonna finish it up in the time frame that we have and then I can move on to the next story. So I'm about, I'm just about to start chapter 10 of the book. I think that this book is a great starter book for anyone, I think actually, I think everyone, especially in Canada, need to learn about the residential school system. I believe it should be taught in our school system. I think this is a great starter book for that. I think because I've read other books and I've taken different courses about this topic, that it makes this book more impactful for me because when I set it down and I have those quiet moments before I go to bed or I'm just having quiet moments of you know, while I'm eating my breakfast or something, I think about some of the things she said and some of the things I know from residential schools, some of the horrific sexual abuse and physical abuse and psychological abuse they do to these children and how they're neglected with rotten food and not enough clothes or bedding and affection and all these things that make the residential school system so horrific and that history in Canada 
so appalling that every single Canadian needs to educate themselves so something like this never happens again. So I think this is a great starter book for that topic because she laces it with things such as she found out later that her brother was sexually abused. There's a story in here how he tried to run away and not go back to residential school and then the mounted police eventually found him and forced him back and later on he passed away and they think he may have killed himself her impact and her stories mention these things as they happened to her so she found out later and some of the other things she mentions in the book for instance there is someone giving her sexual attention when she was a child and thankfully the residential school was closed and she could go to regular school so she didn't have to worry about that that part for her but actually there are so many stories in it where she just I think slipped by without being sexually abused and unfortunately I think she's not the norm so it's a, a hard topic but this book makes it digestible for knowing what happened and being able to tame the information and um, I do hope this book actually makes it into the school system because it'll begin conversations about residential schools which I think are really needed in our homes in Canada more conversations about what actually happened and how recently these things happened all right well I'm going to continue reading and I'll let you know my final book report. Hey, so I'm about halfway through They Called Me Number One uh, by Bev Sellers. And I'm a little bit slow on this book. I think that I've been trying to read it a little bit every night and think about it and really think about what the kids went through. And, you know, and I just also, I like to kind of look at her life and look at the photos and really take in everything that she's saying so I'm just a little bit slow we have our final group discussion coming up and I'm only about halfway through and I'm not unhappy about it I think I'm definitely going to finish this book I just read a little bit every day and so I should get done hopefully by the fan episode well I should get done by the fan episode when we record that but yeah so far I think she's really matter of fact she's really stating the things that happened to her in her life but I do appreciate the photos. As I said, I like to be able to, in a memoir or a story, to be able to put a face to the story and these um, characters or real life people in the book. And I think it's really brave that she's written this. And I don't really have much to say because I'm still right in the middle of it. But I will promise, even if we're done our group discussion, I am going to record my final personal journal and I'll let you know what I think then. All right, see you then. Bye. It's Kara and I am back. I am almost done reading the book, They Called Me Number One by Bev Sellers. Uh, and I can't wait to finish it up. It's been really wonderful getting to know Bev a little bit more from such a young age through to a grown woman going along the journey with her after the fact. I know I wasn't walking with her through her many experiences, but I do feel like uh, because of her gentle writing style that I was included to walk alongside her. And I appreciate it. I like learning more about different areas of Canada as well as its many people. And uh, Bev Sellers does a great job recounting 
what her experiences were like going through the residential school system. <sighs> I can hardly imagine what that must have been like for Bev and her peers, the people before her, the people after her. It was not right and they were not deserving. And I would like to make a commitment to continue to learn, to better understand, and to never forget. Uh, the read, like I said in my last personal journal entry, is surprisingly easy to get through. I was very much emotionally and mentally preparing myself for some really hard times. And it's not that those have been excluded from the book. However, the author is able to share and recount in a way that doesn't seem to activate you know the stress response the that feeling like that threatening feeling when you're uh, very vulnerable and you either go into fight or flight and you know you're not really making use of your upper faculties because you're very much um, within your reptilian mind right so she does a great job in that I'm able to hear very important experiences that took place for her, to her, as well as many of her peers. And I am so appreciative and grateful because this is important work, the anti-racism work. And, you know, to be able to get through a book, I'm almost done it now. I feel like I've learned so much more about her community, as well as the larger Indigenous community, about the Indigenous worldview. And I am appreciative of hearing hard things about the residential school system so that they will never be repeated again. So I'm gonna continue reading this book. I'm gonna continue to recommend it to many other individuals. And I hope that you join me in reading the book. I'd love to hear what you have to say and what you're thinking. This interruption is brought to you by Unpublished. Do you wanna know more about the members and in Book Interrupted? Go behind the scenes? Visit our website at www.bookinterrupted.com. Book Interrupted. My interruption is a bit of a strange one. In fact, I can't even remember if I had put this one here before. Life got really busy and I have so many balls in the air right now that my brain has just kind of shut off. It's, it's committed to thinking about the things I have to do and it won't allow any other information in. So my interruption is, well, I don't even know how to articulate it. That's the problem. Luckily, I am able to get the things done that I need to get done and focus on those at the time. So maybe you'll hear back from me later. Once those things are done, I might have something more interesting to say. Book interrupted. Let's listen in to this episode's group discussion. Good morning, afternoon, or evening. Welcome back to the group discussion on They Called Me Number One by Bev Sellers. Hey, Great. Hey. We liked Thank it. you. Thank you. Like yeah. I need it. instant feedback and validation. <laughs> so I like, hey, huh? Anyone? What's up? Anyone? <laughs> Give me a thumbs up. <laughs> Great <laughs> job, Kim. <laughs> Thank you. Excellent. Thank you. So <clears throat> I don't even remember where we left off really from our last conversation well since then in between it has been september 30th right between our recording dates does anyone have any 
I don't know, reports on what you did for Orange Shirt Day, Truth and Reconciliation Day. Was there anything worth mentioning? Right, so I guess maybe we should say that in Canada on September 30th, there's yeah. a federal holiday called Truth and Reconciliation Day, also known as Orange Shirt Day. And it's strangely not a stat everywhere or for everybody. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's not weird, right? Cool. Not in Ontario. Mm-hmm. Wow, the it's place true. that it majorly should be. <laughs> where head office is right so yeah yeah head office of canada anyway (laughs) uh i listened to the radio i mean i think i was working that day i did listen to the radio the cbc always has some really great stuff on so i listened to the cbc that's what i did for self-education purposes yeah just i think they often have some music and some indigenous artists they have a couple of really great programs uh what are they called there's one, one oh. with Rosanna Deerchild. I know Rosanna Deerchild. I think mm-hmm. that's her last name that she does some good interviews and different things. But yeah, I really, I'm doing a Kim here. I can't think of anything specific ah. at all. <laughs> I just, Welcome to my night. I just know it's great. You should listen to the CBC radio. Mm-hmm. CBC radio. Sorry. I, I do like say CBC radio. radio. Yes. CBC radio one. Radio two I like music, talk Which radio. is also good. Yeah. The yeah. Talk radio. It's talk mostly. Yeah. Sometimes music, sometimes comedy. Sometimes lots of things. Well, it's a variety. It's a variety, yes. I watched some of the, what's well, weird. So it wasn't a stat, like, because they had a broadcast live from Ottawa where there was a whole ceremony. Federal employees get it off. Oh my God. Right? Come on, guys. I can't even. I can't even. <laughs> only federal employees? Yeah, only federal employees. Like, they're the ones that should have to they work. They should be the only ones that have to work. <laughs> yes. <laughs> In some kind of weird justice way, right? Like they're the only ones that should have to <laughs> Prime Minister's going to work. It's just weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so things like banks will be closed and schools. But a lot of people have to work. So things like schools and daycares might be closed. But a lot of people still have to go to work. I don't weird. think the banks were closed. Maybe. Our banks were closed. Oh, I don't think in Ontario. But maybe I'm wrong. I should probably figure that out and see. Yeah, don't mm-hmm. say things that are wrong, Lindsay. Only right. right. Only right. Fact checking. Okay. <laughs> that to be right all the time. Listen, I don't know. Um, I don't know. What I, I just said was wrong. And I often say wrong things. That's half the fun. <laughs> Figuring out if what I'm saying is right or wrong. <laughs> I guess we should go with correct or incorrect. Right yeah. and wrong carry such a different connotation. This is a good segue into something I wanted to talk about today. Okay. About language. Okay. I was listening to a podcast and they're talking about language and I'll send it to you, Lindsay, for the show notes. And there's a couple of things they're talking about how language evolves. So while some people get really upset when somebody says literally as like emphasis, literally, when they really mean figuratively, <laughs> these days it's accepted to use that as an exclamation on something literally that happened, you know, or I'm literally freezing and you're not actually freezing, you're just yeah. cold. But, you know, it drives some people crazy. So he's talking about how language evolves. And another part, another lady was talking about kind of the tragedy that is losing languages right, which is kind of goes along with this book, is that a language is not just, it's a way of thinking, right? So it's not just words put together, but it's a way of thinking. And it's a culmination of cultures, what they've kind of figured out over thousands of years. And because it evolves and keeps going, like we don't talk in old-timey English. If I start talking old-timey English, you'd have no idea what I was saying. 
right? Because language evolves. So when we lose a language, you're not just losing the different words that you use for something, but the way they're put together and the, how you focus on them is how you see the world and how your culture over thousands of years have figured out how to interact with the world. Piggyback on that. Mm -hmm. I took, maybe it's the one that was offered for free by the University of Alberta, the Indigenous Studies course that I think became really kind of popular over COVID because everyone had all this time to do things. One of the pieces of that curriculum was, I believe it was an elder, teaching some of the language. And I can't remember what language, of course, because it's me. But the point is when he was going into like, this word means this, specifically in this Indigenous language, anyways, I'm not sure if it applies across many, it was so rich. It wasn't just good morning, right? It was like, the sun has risen. We are lucky. We are grateful. Give back like all in one word, because it like really just captured such a chunk of the culture and like their spirituality and how they live. You know what I mean? Like it was so what's this word I'm looking for. I don't want to say tangible, but like textured, like it wasn't just one dimensional. It wasn't just a word definition. It was a concept. And so everything that they said to each other held all of this meaning and teaching and everything else, like what Mary is saying. But to see that gentleman break it down, it was a good example to actually understand it because of what we're kind of describing, but like that was actual example of how it plays out, I guess. And that's why it's such a tragedy of all the language that's been lost because the loss of language is not just loss of language and oh, it's fine. We can just speak English. It's a loss of culture, an erasing of identity, cultural identity. So it's pretty intense. Mm -hmm. yeah. Did I just say what you just said? No, but you know what? It's great that you brought it up. Like halfway through what I was saying, I'm like, I think I'm saying the same thing Meredith is saying. No, <laughs> it's great that you brought it up because I was listening to this podcast. I was thinking like, I wonder if there's something that I can go and learn some indigenous languages and see kind of how that changes my mindset a little bit. Again, in this podcast, this lady was talking about, she knows a lot of languages, but she was learning this Australian indigenous language. And she was saying that they don't, they don't have words for left or right. They do all North, East, West, South, whatever, because they describe everything in that way. Your North arm, but then if you turn around, that's your South arm now, right? Mm. And they could just do it. And she described how, while she was learning it one day, she could all of a sudden knew where she was pointing right? Like she knew her orientation all of a sudden because she was using this language and trying to do it. And then her brain just did it, you know, like that's how you, if you want to learn to do something, you got to do it. So it was interesting. So, you know, I think a lot of environmentalist movement or values and stuff are grounded in indigenous knowledge. That's the other thing is that maybe one of the things that we need to do to make it through climate change and survive is to change our mindset. And wouldn't it be so great if our country had more than two official languages and some of them were indigenous languages and we could all learn not just the language, but the mindset and the values and stuff to help us help ourselves. <laughs> right? I totally help agree. Our, help us help ourselves in the earth and stuff. I've yeah. said that for so long about one of the main foundations of so many indigenous cultures is the respect for the land. That's like baseline and we don't have it. We're separated. There's this, we are better than the animals and all that stuff. And with the climate crisis, it's like literally like we have people who know what to do. <laughs> Let's listen to them, you know, and it's just so 
kind of tragic because it's like everyone's like we don't know what to do what could we do but nobody wants to change that's the problem you know what i mean everyone wants to keep all their conveniences and whatever It's, it's out of my depth to really discuss in an intelligent way but i just know that were there more cooperation and collaboration with the people who were on this land since it was ever here they probably have some insight you know yeah, yeah. Lindsay Schweitz you are muted I'm I muted. can't hear you <laughs> no I was gonna say sorry thank you oh sorry um, about the Lindsay Schweitz thing just don't put it that's in that's all right I mean, it's okay we call her people Schweitz. call me Schweitz you're on we call her Schweitz constantly yeah and you're your name on. on the video is also first and last oh. Well, damn well, that well. checklist. Maybe I, I should checklist. I know, I know. That's why I'm looking. Now you're suffering. Lindsay. Is everybody using the right microphone for their audio recording? <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> all right. Now I'm just Lindsay. Not that it matters because they all, everyone can hear me. I don't think you're um, just Lindsay. You're much more than the, just Lindsay uh, to me. Yeah. Thank you. <sighs> you're Lindsay. No. <laughs> just sorry. in case you're tuning in. I'm sorry. Yes. I'm getting silly. Okay. Which is maybe a nervous thing because this is not a silly book. But anyway, go on, Lindsay. Mm-hmm. On the radio, on the CBC, see, I'm the CBC radio advocate today, that there was a program. I didn't actually end up, I had to go to work, but I listened to the first half of the program. But it was about this couple who were white who went to, I think it was somewhere in the East Coast. And they had, in the 70s or something, purchased this land. And they were going to give it back to the indigenous people from where the land was from. And, you know, I didn't get to hear the rest, but I was just thinking about that. How many people, because our culture is so you own things, it's that idea of owning. So you've spent your hard-earned money and to own, I don't know why I put money in quotations, it's money, Uh, (laughs) but you you hard-earned money to own these things and buy these things you know, or property or land or whatever, and everything's that capitalist idea, you know, how many people would be okay with that, would be able to give that back or to open it up as a free land for other people to use or whatever. And it's just an interesting, that is a huge step for people who have grown up. The idea that the perfect life has you buy a home and you have your family and all that. And And your property has a fence around it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. This is my tree and that is your tree. You know, even if it overhangs. Yeah. And and then people get in arguments because, oh, well, you're not trimming your tree that's on your land. Or they just trim it right at the fence line. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. And then you're like, are they upset about that? Are they not? Or it's not good for the tree. You know, but then you mean like if you could be nice to the tree, you would probably get together and be like, let's take care of this tree. I don't know. Together. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That reminds me of the book, how her, remember she would go uh, like hunting with her grandfather and he'd go to his trap line and ever so often he'd go to go to his trap line and someone build a fence and he'd be like, I'd have to go all the way around the person's fence in his trap line that he's had in his family forever. So it's just, yeah, you don't, I, I also read a story recently that it was just about a man that he realized that it was an old man and he realized he had this big ranch. And he realized that it belonged to the indigenous people there. And he, he gave it to them. This is a really My nice. ranch is on their land. And he gave it back to them. A story I read recently. And I, I follow something that's called something on Twitter. I got to look it up. It's like native land rights or something like that on Twitter. And then they post a bunch of different places and how they've gotten their land back and that kind of thing. 
all over the U.S. and Canada. So I just read something recently that they, and they're going to put an education center there for the youth and a whole bunch of stuff. Yeah. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Book Interrupted. If you'd like to see the video highlights from this episode, please go to our YouTube channel, Book Interrupted. You can also find our videos on www.bookinterrupted.com. Hi, this is Leah from Book Interrupted. Thanks for listening to this episode. If you'd like to learn more about us, the Book Interrupted members, or check out our swag, or anything at all, go to www.bookinterrupted.com. We'd love to get to know you, and you could even be a guest on one of our fan episodes or choose one of the books in our book cycle. So please check us out and keep listening. Moments you can look forward to on next week's Book Interrupted. That kind of started why we wearing orange shirts on Orange Shirt Day. The story is told and it does what a good story does. It stays with you to reflect on later. The inside of some of the residential schools were below freezing. Nobody cares anyway. Just because mm -hmm. of your heritage, you'll be assumed guilty. So you might as well just say you're guilty. And the Canadians gave them all fresh drinking water for all these people and they're not even doing it for their own people. The system, it's like a giant microaggression. So how do people live every day in it? Book interrupted. Never forget, every child matters.